Welcome to iFollow. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 78 of iFollow. Um, this is a special episode, uh, but not only because it's an episode of our podcast, but because I'm joined by, for anybody who is in the Twitch chat can see this person, but none other than Throwback Thursday, illustrious, even though it's Wednesday, missed him, Ryan Thompson. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> it's good to have you back. Welcome it's back good to be back. <laughs> It was a rowdy pre-show. It was a good time, but um, not to be outdone. I'm also joined by Jeff Budzinski and Irvin. How's it going, hey. guys? Hey, world. How's it going? It's good to be back again for another wonderful episode. Live from a slightly larger hotel. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hotel room. <laughs> and I'm not live from a hotel. I missed last week, but before that, I was in a hotel this you're, week. I'm back home. Finally back home. Let's back go. Um, and you're home just in time for a lot of really weird stuff to happen in <laughs> yeah. tech news. So last week was a little bit slower, but we had that little old people don't understand the internet segment uh, between me and Jeff. <laughs> um, and lo and behold, we have more because um, Ajapai recently met with Congress. Or not? Wow, I'm sorry, Sundar Pichai. We, I like, I like corrected all of you on this in the pre-show, only to say it live on the podcast myself the first time. So Sundar, um, I'm sorry for making that comparison between those two people. But before that, we have to get into some other news. Um, we have a bit of news from some location data that is being sold to large numbers of companies. From this is a New York Times article. Um, just kind of explaining uh, apps knowing the, the headline is your apps know where you were last night and they're not keeping it secret. Um, talking about how dozens of smartphone companies using locations to help advertisers and hedge funds saying it's anonymous, but the data that they are revealing shows just how personal it is. Um, Irvin, this was one that you brought to the attention of us. Do you want to like lead into this or? Yeah, so yeah, I, I saw this come by. I think it was published on Monday. Yeah, yeah, two days ago. Uh, big Monday story dropped. New York Times dropped it. Um, I mean, we were, we've been aware that you know certain apps track our, our location. Some um, more than others. Some more than others. Um, but you know, most most people's ideas is that yeah, yeah, it's it, it's anonymized, right? So. You, you're looking at trends so if like okay a lot of people are visiting this coffee shop so maybe we should do some whatever google might think is like okay now we know a lot of people are going to this coffee shop but we know it's popular and they recently launched a thing on google maps where it shows like live the current how busy a certain like shop is like a, a, a like a, a clothes shop or a restaurant or whatever you can in certain cities see this live like well, it's really busy now right now mm -hmm. that's how they know that and you know it's been reassured by certain companies that hey that all that data that we're collecting on your location is anonymized we're just using it in aggregate um just to help you give you more and be better information um it turns out for certain applications that is not the case um they highlighted uh one person in particular within the article um where they uh, tracked um, 
uh, paths of someone walking or uh, someone from a home outside of Newark uh, to a nearby Planned Parenthood, remaining there for more than an hour. Another rep uh, representative person who travels from the, the with the mayor of New York with the uh, during the day and returns to Long Island at night. Um, another person who leaves his house upstate New York at 7 a.m., travels to middle school 14 miles away, staying until late each afternoon. Probably guess that's a, a teacher um, at a middle school. Only one person makes that trip. Lisa Morgan, um, 96-year-old math teacher. Um, yeah, so... It's like... A part of this, I want to say, like, is I'm not surprised by this, but mm -hmm. like another part of me is like every time something like this comes out, I'm always like astounded with how frequently this information is tracked, how often it's tracked and how little impact it has on like the usability of my phone, because it seems like they're sending like an incredible amount of information. Like there's the, the one um, article, the one woman that you were talking about that the article highlighted saying that there was... Um, Another one who leaves the house in upstate New York uh, recorded her whereabouts as often as every two seconds, according to a database, going to Weight Watchers meeting at her dermatologist's office for a minor procedure, followed her hiking with her dog, staying at her ex-boyfriend's home. And like, it's just like the fact that it's like that accurate and like that specific is it still disturbs me, even though I feel like I shouldn't anymore. Mm. That ex-boyfriend one was interesting. Yeah. I mean, it probably doesn't know the specifics of that. It probably just yeah. knows um, that thing. But it was saying that her location was recorded more than 800 times um, in the school where she works, often in her classroom. Um, wow. uh, it says the visit to the doctor's office was so... And I'm going through the article. They have like a, a graphic write-up of this as you scroll. And I'm saying the data is so specific that the times could determine how long she was there. Um, her location data shows her often visited locations, including the gym and Weight Watchers. And in a in about four months of data review by the times, her location was recorded over 8,600 times on average once every 21 minutes. And that's on average. So That's not even that frequent if you think about it with like apps like Fitbit and like Google Maps even where it tracks like your every move. Yeah. Have you guys ever gone into Google Maps and been like my location history and just yeah. shows you mm -hmm. everywhere you yeah it's crazy like you can pull up a restaurant that you like and it'll be like you've been here it's like, oh yeah <laughs> it, it, it did the same thing the last time i was with you um yeah. i went not with you per but, but in that area and i went to the same place and i pulled it up on google maps i was like oh you were here nine months ago i was like uh what yeah exactly <laughs> i forgot that it was doing doing that sort of tracking mm -hmm. um but the thing is, right, Every all the companies tout where they've been saying it's all anonymized, right? But the, the breaking news here is that for certain databases, we don't know. So this is why um, this data was received by the Times, right? right. And they analyzed it. Um, I don't know if they say where it came from. So if, um, if their justification is that it's anonymous, like what is even as an anonymous factor, what is the main threat here? It seems like governments would easily be able to track large crowds. 
they'd be able to break up protests, things like that. Even if it's anonymous, sure. they can they can see when. I mean, some companies yeah. or some countries actually do that. They use yeah. location data right. and like events and stuff like that that are recorded from people, and they use them to like make arrests. Hey man, yeah. facial recognition is a big factor too. They're putting cameras everywhere, and they're using it for that reason. The but. Philippines uses it to monitor protests. Yeah, like they use Facebook, and they a openly do that. A lot of countries do that. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Facebook, not to jump off of Urban's train of thought, if you want to jump in with where they got that source, go ahead. But um, Facebook's, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but they filed a patent for an application called Offline Traje- Trajectories recently. Um, and it's a technology predicting where you're going based off of, in, in part, previously logged location data. So it's aka if your location services are turned off, they still are trying to predict where you're going. Um, and part of that is using um, your your friends or your peers' um, information if you're typically with them at certain locations. It also uses um, trends like if people go to certain locations after they've been at another and things of that nature. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's just another big company using um, your location data and also taking it to another level by trying to determine it when you're not even giving your location data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like, I think we're on the verge of a large movement towards pushing towards anonymization of data, like true vetted anonymization of data and privacy. Um, just because like this stuff, it feels like it's every other month stuff like this comes out. I, f- and, I feel like we're already beyond that point. Like yeah. it, these companies are becoming so blatant about it. Mm-hmm. Matt, we were, we were talking last week about them basically like knowing Google knowing who you are regardless of incognito mode or what have yeah, you. Yeah, right. they, they track like people, they're still filtering your results to your personalized stuff even yeah. if you're logged out or in incognito mode. And it's assumed that Facebook's going to use this information for ad targeting and who knows what else. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if over the next couple of years you see a similar piece of legislature to the GDPR rollout in the United States. Um, honestly, I, I especially don't know. once especially uh, once we get further into the the topics that we have for today, that maybe might change for you. I don't know, but um, well, hopefully. But the the strength of lobbying right now doesn't stand to play that way. <laughs> yeah, but if you have it, it seems to be one of the few things currently going through our circuit that has bipartisan support so like i don't i i wouldn't be surprised like it's it's for different reasons obviously sure. um but i, I well, wouldn't be surprised if they work out something well i, I know we've discussed for uh, you know a company that we're we work for in common like there's there's another giant software company that if they were ever interested in looking and purchasing purchasing us they would have all this data they could have collected on the back end because we use their product non-stop and that would you know companies like microsoft google i mean anything's possible and just it's a matter of how the legality of using that data or like the right but do you think our company has factored that in yeah their data collection do you think anybody does no i don't (laughs) and i think if they want to make it if they want to make a purchase in the future they can do all their own research Mm -hmm. there's have you ever guys have you seen the documentary terms of service uh no i believe that's what it's called but it's it's pretty uh eye-opening it talks about when google changed their terms of service and like facebook and other companies like that i would definitely recommend to our listeners viewers and to you guys to check it out mm-hmm. speaking of uh, um terms of service 
Oh. No, in terms of service specifically. So relating back to the New York Times article, it highlights. So New York Times um, analyzed 17 apps in total, uh, which which they saw sending precise location data to uh, a third party or, or outside, you know, a collection of, of precise location data. Mm-hmm. Only three, just three on iOS and one on Android told users on a prompt when you say, okay, I want to access your location when a typical app um, uh, asks for that right to access the location of the device. Um, so three on iOS and one on Android told them specifically that that information could be used for advertising. Out of 17, four total apps. Um, and only one app, Gasprian's particular um indicated that the data could be used, could also be shared to analyze industry trends. Yeah. And um, then the ones that aren't using that information are probably using things like cell service and Bluetooth and stuff to get an approximate location because there's even been evidence of that as well. Yeah. The The worst of the apps was the score. Uh, it's a sports app that allows you to keep track of the sports scores. Uh, when prompting users to grant access to the location, it said that it said the data would help recommend local teams, which makes sense. Sure. Mm-hmm. If, if you're in Philly, it's going to recommend the Flyers, the Sixers, and the Eagles and whatever. Um, but the app ended up passing precise coordinates to 16 advertisers and location companies. Is that iOS and Android? Um, the score, I think, is on both. No, I, I know, but is that... it, doesn't, it doesn't specify where. I, I think it would send the data to wherever, whatever app you're using. You <laughs> think it's the fact you have to ask, Matt. <laughs> Uninstalling yeah. that app from my iPhone right Oh, now. you have that app? <laughs> oh, my God. I was oh, like, oh, this is... You heard it, you heard it here. Because <laughs> uh, ESPN, I didn't like. So, so the, full, it's, uh, the score came back and... Uh, they said that the full use of the data was described in the app's uh, privacy policy. Mm-hmm. Who reads that? Nobody. That's, yep, that's yeah. another thing. Right? So, yeah. like, nobody reads that. No, they're not. Oh, they're no longer going to be installed on any of my devices purely out of principle now. That's that's another part of that um, document, by the way, the terms of service. Like, yeah. if nobody reads that yeah. stuff. That's not It's not a, 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 a excuse anymore. Yeah. yeah. That was a good yeah. South Park episode. Um. <laughs> Here, here's my question are they are they vetting these companies that they're selling the data to these advertisers or what have you for their political affiliation or background or oh, even country? you know the score i'm assuming the score man you would know because you actually use it there's a free app did it have ads in it it did it did yeah, on the, yeah it was like a little so, it was like little bottom banners it did banner, banners the... you could go beyond advertising though to like malintent like right. if like somebody, Analytica. or even worse like something like terrorism like yeah. it, it tell when there's mass groups of people in a certain location even who those people are to some degree or even worse than that auto playing videos on websites <laughs> <laughs> that's not worse than terrorism but it's pretty that's, bad that's, that's a lightening the mood though which i think yeah. we needed yeah <laughs> takes a little bit but um no so it, i i totally agree though like it's it, it, there's no real regulation around it and because it's something that like our legislatures really don't understand or don't choose to understand because it's not convenient for their wallets um, is disturbing and I think needs to change. So um, who knows if we see this get changed in the future just because of like you're saying the lobbyists, but at the same point, like just because there's 
there seems to be growing distrust from the government to these large corporations because Dude, of like because of things that we will eventually talk about is like you're, you're, you're talking about placing hold or placing faith in the government like just wait for the end of the episode yeah <laughs> yep for this kind of stuff and that's the, right. and that's where the topic gets interesting too because like you have things like Europe where Europeans tend to have an opposite viewpoint from us whereas we are more willing to trust corporations they are more willing to trust the government so it's Possibly. like a, a little Never. yeah <laughs> for the sake of avoiding getting political it, it, we will talk about it later but that will almost certainly get political but um that's just like the how both cultures have broken down um that's why the gdpr is as um popular as it is over in europe but um but yeah so i think we probably should move on to the next topic though for the sake of time <laughs> speaking of tracking oh yeah. look, at that. look this great. one helps us <laughs> yeah this is great tracking for podcasters yeah so the podcast industry is um, trying to get better analytics um, and they want to call it rad. So it's going to be some pretty rad analytics that they're going to have going on there. Um, but yeah, so NPR announced rad, which is a new open source podcast analytics technology that was developed with nearly 30 companies involved in the podcasting industry. And I think that it's something that is a long time coming for the podcasting industry um the ability for not only um producers of podcasts but advertisers when it comes to selling data or s selling advertisements to these podcasts i think it'll help both of them make a more profitable industry because yeah, right now it's kind of the wild west yeah, right now there isn't really good tracking available in terms of there's some third party uh, services out there like PodTrack that sort of try to guess. Like, of course, you can tell the number of downloads you had, um, and but you don't know how long people listened, when people stopped listening. Um, so this sort of help wants to, you know, improve that sort of tracking. Um, right now actually apple uh deployed this a uh, couple uh releases ago so if you listen to a podcast within uh the apple podcast app you are actually uh sending signals back to uh apple uh and we get those analytics i actually posted that within our slack channel guys if you want to see our specific mm -hmm. ones are detailed uh, for our show um detailed and, analytics on and it shows exactly how long people listen when they drop off average listen time per episode so this red is a move to make that more universal not just locked down mm -hmm. on apple's platform um and outside of that you only really get that in like podcast hosts like our host podbean has an analytics platform uh mm -hmm. it's not as precise as right. apple's because they don't own really the ability to they don't own all of the players yeah you, so the issue is right the players the players yeah. need to send a signal back to where we're getting it from to say okay this person stopped listening at 59 minutes in and the episode was an hour and a half so they listened to two-thirds of it mm -hmm. um my worst fear <laughs> worst fear of, of knowing that or that is occurring but <laughs> yeah and that's like the thing too a lot of people say that there's currently like a podcasting bubble so like just because advertisers don't really know how much 
people are listening to certain podcasts and there's no like actual evidence aside from the number of hits to an RSS feed. Um, mm-hmm. Like they just kind of are like, Oh, okay. You have a thousand hits. Like for, for all we know, like there could be like 12 people total listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, but 70,000 devices are downloading it. So it looks like it's a really popular podcast, <laughs> you know, like it's <laughs> like, it's hard to like those types of podcasts. I'd be, I'd be interested to see like which ones are actually, like worth their salt and i feel like this would be a good way of filtering out a lot of the the like lesser listened to podcasts or making it a more realistic um industry almost right they want more specific analytics for ad purposes Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and when you think about it like it makes sense and currently our podcasts are running off of an rss feed which is a rather old piece of like software it's just literally a a feed that you can measure the amount of hits that happen to it and that's it like there's not a whole lot to it um so it's it really is kind of a long time coming that this is updated and brought into modern um metrics so there's a comment with comment or there's a a a twitter uh post uh within the tech crunch article uh, from a, a really big developer, one of the most popular iOS podcast players, you know, outside of Apple Podcasts, Overcast is, is one of the best, mm-hmm. um, I think, next to um, um, Pocket what's the Cast? We use? Pocketcast. What's the yeah. one that's on my phone right now? Yeah, <laughs> so Overcast is, is, uh, is one of the top ones out there, and he's actually uh, against this fully. He says, yes, I understand why huge podcast companies want more listener data, but there's zero advantage for listeners or app makers. I won't be supporting any listener behavior tracking specs in Overcast. Podcast mm-hmm. Podcasters get enough data from your IP address when you download episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's I right and he's wrong. About that. I don't know that I agree with that. He's, he's right and he's wrong. Like, I can see where he's coming from with that statement but at the same point like there needs to be a metric behind how much money people are throwing into podcasts i think it it, it's not fair to other people because i feel like this could this won't change the industry that much and i feel like through these feeds like looking at the apple stats that we have on apple podcasts like the type of information they're collecting isn't really that bad and not even that like even when you have the ability to pull all the metrics like even with current technology we can still get like country ip address Mm -hmm. like what kind of device is listening to what app is pulling the service like we can get information like there's that information is transmitted through the platform so like honestly it's a couple extra lines on something that you're already getting anyway So the only time that, you know, if, if, if you're only tracking data by IP addresses, let's say you have a four person household and all those four people listen to the same podcast, that that household will be counted as one person technically, right? Because mm-hmm. it's saying, okay, this IP address, yeah, downloaded it four times, but you don't know if that was four separate people or that person happened to download it four separate times. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, so that you can get that granular, but I do agree with it with uh, Marco here that it doesn't really offer any advantages to listeners. Right, the, the, giving up more data. The thing about the podcast the of the of getting better advertising, which relates back to our last topic. 
Well, production values are like extremely efficient in terms of podcasting, and it seems like they're trying to target or they're trying to galvanize everything. So it's almost like the music industry will break it down into genres, and they can just target ads at mass audiences instead sure. of it being as uh, indie as it is right now. Yeah, I think one plus of it though is that it might help the podcast tell what is interesting and not interesting to its followers. Right. Sure. So yeah. you but could argue there's like intangibles that's all about government legislation and nobody cares about it and tunes out in three seconds and we know hey no one cares about this yeah and like or halfway through we see okay we started to talk about this topic at this point it matches up with this time code this is about when most people stop listening we shouldn't talk about that that stuff if we see a trend where every episode people stop listening when Matt makes a segue, we know not to do them anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that I, I think that um, like Sorry. all respect to Marco, his his app is fantastic, and I've heard nothing but great things from Overcast. But like um, when I think that like taking that stance is not really seeing the problem for what it is, because when you look at podcasting analytics sure there's no intrinsic benefits to the consumer or to app makers but the benefits come from the benefits that are gained by the developers and the the publishers of the podcast because they're like you guys were saying um if they hate my segues then we stop doing it like we produce higher quality content based off of our analytics and what i just don't get what analytics he's expecting to benefit exactly of this like, yeah, I I see his point, but I think it's not the right take on this because analytics, like you could argue a change to how RSS feeds work also doesn't have a benefit to the listener, even if it does nothing for the streamer. So like, I, I don't understand why there needs to be pushback on this. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. But like we've kind of, uh, Beating this dead horse of a topic for now. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. we got next? Or according to PETA, feeding the fed horse. But Right, right. <laughs> um, but we'll move on from that one. So, um, <laughs> so there is a new phone that is leaking, obviously, because it is getting into Samsung leak season. Um, and the rumors... It's already here? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, they, I think they do... <laughs> Came early this year. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they do like February or March, right? Yeah, it is a little early then. Yeah, March. Yeah. So it's about time that we start hearing the the leaks from the S10 and those new phones. And and Ryan, I was talking to you about this earlier today. Um, the Galaxy S10 is going to be potentially Samsung's last flagship with a headphone jack. Yeah. Um, so, and that's the thing that is interesting about this isn't the S10. It's the Galaxy A8, um, the phone that is for targeted. At, it's like the cheaper version of the the S line. Uh, it's like limited features and some reduced hardware specs, but still a perfectly serviceable phone by any means. Um, but that phone does not have a headphone jack, which is interesting. Um, a lot of people are taking this that um, the headphone jack now is going to become a luxury item at Samsung. Yeah, warranting a higher price tag on smartphones uh, because but, up until this point they haven't needed to remove it it's, it's like a, it's like a luxury car man you want to get all the options you mm-hmm. gotta pay more yeah yep 
and I don't understand this move, but um, a lot of Samsung was just like Pixel did when when Pixel Two came out. We were like, wait a minute, didn't they include in their ad like literally making fun of Apple for removing the headphone jack, and now they're yeah, they, getting they rid of the headphone jack? <laughs> yeah, they blasted Apple and everything, and then they're totally hypocritical, like with the yeah. notch. Samsung blasted them for two years and then flipped. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I. I don't think that Samsung's policy is gonna stick around, especially when you see they're moving to, they're experimenting with different notches, however ridiculous you, they they are, um, and then or now they're experimenting having a hole for a camera and not even a notch. Yeah, it's just an, an O in the display. Aside from the notch, I mean, it's beneficial to this Apple for the time being, while like the headphone jack is still relevant, right? Because people are still producing that hardware for consumers but now i think there's so many iphone users and there's so many companies coming out with bluetooth headphones that are something that people are buying that now these companies are like all right well the market's shifting so we are too Mm -hmm. yeah it's i don't i don't know um because now there's no there's like no smartphone left that has a headphone jack i don't and granted i can't say anything my last two phones haven't had headphone jacks so i can't really talk but like i can see the need for it um i don't know like it's this is more of like a, a quick thing to talk about but i just find it funny yeah. that it's, yeah. it's just... I, I i fully embraced the bluetooth lifestyle <laughs> a, a long a while ago mm-hmm. he says this wearing headphones that have wires <laughs> I mean, i'm on a desktop computer that's different have yeah. you noticed how many, how many less people have been walking around with wires going into their pockets though? Like mm, I see yeah. AirPods everywhere. Yeah, no, AirPods are all over the place. Yeah, and like, um, yeah. I for one if, uh, embrace our robot overlords. Yes, <laughs> Urban's now holding his AirPods up. I for one, right quote anyway. I was gonna, I was I would have said I for one embrace our Bluetooth overlords, but I agree with you either way. Yeah, same deal. Yeah. Well, the Galaxy A9 is going to have four cameras on the back. So we know what they're doing with all that extra space they're saving. (laughs) (laughs) Why in the world do you need four cameras? I don't know. Is this going to be like the megapixel fight that phones got into like six or seven years ago where they, you had like Sony releasing like what? They had a 40 megapixel camera once, I think. Yeah, we were covering this, I think, last week or the one before that. Mm -hmm. We were talking about that. That was just absurd. Yeah. So it's going to be like a smartphone release with 12 cameras on the back or something like that. It was two weeks ago because Urban was on too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. I don't know. But it's it now Now the rumor mill is speculating as to how long it'll take for the Galaxy S line and the Note line, more importantly, to follow. Um, mm. So I don't I, I'm. I am curious with the note line, with that move they made towards making it like a mobile PC, whether or not they'll remove a headphone jack from that. Because I feel like desktop, if, if you want it to act like a desktop, you're going to probably keep that headphone jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe they'll move the headphone jack to the DeX adapter. Hmm. Could be that too. Who knows? Actually, that would probably yeah, be the good. smartest choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they don't do that, then they're missing out on some huge opportunity there. Um, I agree. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe they'll ship USB-C headphones with it too. So if that's the case, then there's a a boom to the USB-C headphone like earbud department, which has been severely lacking across every phone manufacturer. 
Yeah. Um, up, up until Google and OnePlus started packaging the 3.5 or USB-C headphones in with their phones. I think yeah. I think OnePlus bundles it in. I'm not sure though off the top of my head. Well, if we uh, check our analytics and we have listeners at this point in the podcast, you should send us what kind of headphones you're listening to this podcast on, yes. whether it be a Bluetooth uh, car enabled like speaker system, or if you're on USB-C headphones, if you're using adapter, uh, old fashioned plug, what have you. So that way all you analytics out there can benefit from our analytics. That's right. <laughs> Say our listeners don't use headphone jacks. Yes. Or maybe they do. You tell us. Need those DAX, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DAX are nice. I actually had my uh, iPhone hooked up to a DAC. I had like a, I had a dongle hooked up to the DAC hooked up to my headphones. I was. Like, <laughs> I remember I was, that. I was like, I am swamped in adapters. <laughs> so, but yeah. So I don't know. But we'll see. Maybe they're gonna do a foldable phone with no headphone jack. Maybe the the three point five millimeter headphone jack doesn't flex. So they can't put it in their fold. Probably doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) You can speculate all day, but yeah, um, carry on my wayward son. Let's carry on into the another topic. Uh, We're starting to get into the. We're in the right subject now, but we're not quite towards the main discussion for this episode. Um, Google Plus is going to be shutting down. We talked about it early, but four months earlier after a second data leak. So, um, if you didn't like your data leak in the first time, well, did it again. So there it again, <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> so, uh, the new vulnerability impacts 52.5 million users, um, who had profile information like their name, email address, occupation, and age exposed to developers. And you mm. see, this is another reason why I'm okay with analytics getting more information because it's just going to leak somewhere else anyway. So what? <laughs> that's justification. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the realist take on this subject matter. Whether it's the yeah. score, podcast analytics, or now Google Plus, it's gonna get out anyway. Well, Ezra and I got out while the getting was good. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All I remember was just joining a, a few circles of people who were sharing wallpapers on Google Plus, and that was about the extent of my experience with the social media platform. At at one point in time, I remember declaring on Facebook that I was done with Facebook and officially going to Google Plus for good. And that's (laughs) It's a party of one over there. Yeah, it was. I used it relentlessly for... You were the only person I've ever met that actually used it. Three years, maybe? Yeah. No, I actually no. found you on Google Plus before I met you in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me that's a true no, story. It's not at all. Okay. There in MySpace, Tom. I didn't use it to talk to anyone. I just used it. So I followed um, uh, news um, Google Plus pages, and they would post their articles, and I used it as an RSS reader, basically for news. So I, I subscribed to sites that I cared about and I would just pull that one page up to look at all the stories that were hmm. uh, and that's what I that's the that was my main use for it. This com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah that that's how I use it. I pulled up every single day multiple times a day to look at, you know, whatever any new new uh articles coming out or whatever news that was breaking. Um but yeah now now it's being shut down even earlier than we thought um, so they disclosed uh, in October a breach 
And then they said they're going to close everything down in August 2019. Now it's moved up to April 2019 because of this additional leak uh, that was found. Um, why yeah. Why not just make it like tomorrow? Um, yeah, let's wait till April. That's better. They got to give all those wallpaper developers a chance to migrate their stuff off of Google+. Plus. Click, 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 click. This has been emailed to you. Yeah. I also think it's so integrated within... The system because it does store your like Google kind of profile, like your profile picture and your some kind of information that's that's tied yeah. to the main Google account that I think yeah, it's not so easy to pull. It's like a migration kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Jeff, I'm I feel like the opposite of you because I had a Facebook post from years ago complaining about how Google my Gmail account kept making myself a Google Plus account. <laughs> so I kept deleting it. So, oh, I remember that too. So I felt like I felt like we were on opposite that's, ends of the bridge that, here. That's that's when Google was uh, pushing Google Plus down on everyone's throat. Yeah, even if they didn't want it. Yeah, the 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 benefits. Lots of people still made them, man. We all we all tried it out. Yeah, it, yeah. it was it was effective for a little bit. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> I was like, what's a circle? <laughs> now they're pulling Google Plus out of our throats. Yeah, I was like, why do I need groups of friends lists? get out of here with your circles but yeah so um the one benefit is that um google discovered the leak on its own and it was only live for six days uh between november 7th and november 13th so it could be worse it could have yeah, been live that's, that's definitely you know a nice side of it could have been live for seven days uh, I, don't, I don't know yeah right. so yeah they're going to expedite the shutdown this will occur within the next 90 days. Um, it says, in addition, we will um, accelerate the sunsetting of consumer Google Plus from August 2019 to April 2019. Um, and there are implications for developers, and they want to ensure the protections of the users. And like Irvin was saying, there's a lot of like APIs that reference Google Plus. Um, so like those developers need to have some time to move their move that functionality into its own thing on their website or find similar functionality elsewhere. So they're going to give them some time to uh, fix their APIs and move stuff around, but now they have less time because Google is starting to realize that this thing, the ship is leaking a lot faster than they thought it was. <laughs> Not to make any jokes about it, but it's another hole has sprung in the ship. Uh, Google Plus. Not to make any jokes, but I'll double down and make a second. <laughs> <laughs> Let me come at you with some jokes. But um, so yeah, and then the rest of it's just like their border, their boilerplate legalese. Um, understand our ability to rebuild products, always taking them seriously, and invest in privacy programs and privacy products and G Suite services. Just like Honestly. carrying it on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of where that's going. So it's going to end sooner. So there's a follow-up. We talked about it earlier. We talked about it now. And if it happens again, we'll talk about it later. So yeah. I guess we'll find out just exactly how exciting this is in April. Or maybe sooner if there's another leak. Who knows? <laughs> um, but in other news, Google's CEO, uh, sure. while they were sunsetting plus, Google's CEO had to remind Congress that Google doesn't develop iPhones. <laughs> and okay. Jeff busted out the monocle um, in Check reference yeah. to that Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was too busy looking at the bicep. But um, so, yeah, like I was saying, I had to recollect my thoughts there. I was distracted. But um, 
So there is the House Judiciary Committee meeting um, on Tuesday, and that one was between uh, Sundar Pichai and basically just some of the uh, leaders of Congress and Republican Steve King from Indiana, I think, asked Pichai to explain why his daughter's iPhone was acting strangely. Uh, he said, I have a seven-year-old granddaughter who picked up her phone during the election, and she's playing a little game, the kind of game a kid would play. And up on there and up on there pops a picture of her grandfather. And I'm not gonna say into the record what kind of language was used around that picture of her grandfather, but I'd ask you, how does that show up on a seven year old's iPhone who's playing a kid's game? And Pichai says, Congressman, Magic. the iPhone is made by a different company. And so, you know, I mean <laughs> He was just, and then he said it might have been an Android. It's just it was hand me down of some kind. So he just kind of walked that back real fast. Um, <laughs> so um, for anybody who is uh, joining us from our previous episode, welcome to part two of old people yelling at clouds. <laughs> yeah. well, to be fair, it's hard to tell what is an iPhone and what is not. I think we can all agree. If you squint really hard at an Android phone and an iPhone from the front, they look kind of similar. Assuming you have chemical burns in your eyes. Yeah. See, and one of your eyes is missing. Yeah. <laughs> Especially on the other one. Oh, although I'll be fair, he could have been looking at an Oppo phone. Those look exactly like iPhone 10s, but I mean he, he probably grew up with a rotary. So yeah. Yeah. all I'm saying is these ads never showed up when Bell was around. <laughs> It sounds like one of those things where people are like, ah, I, I, my computer's got a virus or something. <laughs> I need to call them. It's just like, ah. This is just like Rudy Giuliani uh, last week claiming yeah. that his Twitter account was hacked, even though someone just bought the URL that he accidentally made in his tweet. <laughs> <laughs> that was so, so funny. This is people who don't understand how the internet works. And they get angry at the companies that run it. And me and Urban tried to watch this um, on Tuesday. Yeah, I attempted, attempted. I got furious by the minute. Uh, so all all of this came from, uh, of course, Sunan Puchai uh, was at a hearing at the House Judiciary Committee, um, and he got he was grilled on a lot of things um, related to Google. Um, a lot of it was a asking about Google's bias towards either the left or the right leaning articles in terms of news or uh, positive or negative uh, websites relating to a certain topic. Um, and uh, a lot of people, you know, asking him, is there one person who's, you know, controlling um, uh, this within Google? Is there a particular programming that says within the algorithm to say, make all, you know, um, left-leaning articles positive or make it them look positive or, or appear higher in the results and make all the negative. And, and Sundar Pichai repeatedly said, nobody has that power within Google. There's checks and balances mm -hmm. built within how we develop our algorithm and no, not one person can um, um, build that uh, within the system. Um, when we they they he re reiterated multiple times that they try to be as unbiased as possible, um, and uh, even one uh, congressperson specifically asked how many people uh, work on the search team, right? And, mm -hmm. and 
Sundar didn't have an exact number, um, but he said thousands, thousands of people work on just the algorithm or how the searches, you know, are, are shown to you. Mm-hmm. And the congressman followed up is, do you vet those people, look at their uh, social media, what types, what, what, which way do they lean? And could those leanings could make it into, you know, the, um, the algorithm, which I don't know how they would. Yeah, um, it's a fair question. It is a fair question, but I mean, like, I, f- I feel like they're they're mad for the like it's their right to be angry, but they're mm-hmm. angry for the wrong reasons. And yes, it, it <laughs> it's like they're just they're they're skimming the surface of something that's much much larger. So, let, like, were there any questions regarding uh the, the AI militarization projects that Google's involved in? There were questions about Dragonfly. Um, Dragonfly, but Dragonfly. not 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 those military because those are contract directly with them. So right, they, no, they don't, they don't question that, right? <laughs> this is what this is what I said to Matt last week. I was like, I hope they don't make this like a left versus right thing. I hope they ask the right questions here, and they completely. I wish I could swear on air. They completely messed it up. Yeah, there were uh, some questions that were good, and like, some of them kind of knew. There, there's one, yeah. There's one statement by. There was one statement. It wasn't a, even a question. It was a statement. Um, a lot of people prior to this, this congressman sta- making this statement, they were raising to say uh, these negative articles were published about my colleague or myself. Uh, why were they higher ranked than all the positive things that I that I've done? Um, you know, because um, you know, people you know do bad, good and bad things mm-hmm. and um the person who followed up uh, after a couple of those types of questions is that if um make sure i get this right um if um when you do a search on yourself and all you see are negative th- stuff is maybe because you are doing negative things it's not because google is making you look bad <laughs> it's your fault not yes maybe it is your fault yeah <laughs> right well, don't, don't blame google for getting negative results i yeah. think i think yeah. that's that is based around that the public opinion shapes google results right I found the exact article if you want positive search results do positive things mm-hmm. that was yeah. a democrat from california mm-hmm. Granted, there are there are certainly people who are influencing search results like by I don't know. Like if if you you can make something, and that was actually brought up during the thing. So yeah, yeah, if you search for idiot, Donald Trump comes up, and that was actually asked directly to Sundar Pichai. Did someone at Google made that happen? And answer is no. Yeah, it's not someone at Google, but people even like people even did things when Bush was a president, where if you Googled like despicable (laughs) failure or like something like that, like he came up in search results. Like, that this was isn't the, first the first, basis. Yeah. yeah. It's not the first time this has yeah. happened before. And it's, that was the first newsworthy case of this. Yeah. And like some of the things that happened in this, like, for example, like they, they like, a lot of their questions were like, why are uh, liberal news sources being pushed higher in reviews than, or higher in search results than conservative news organizations? And for example, well, the way Google works is it has, it's spiders they call it go and index the entire internet and it looks based off of traffic and um like where that traffic is going and websites that have more links to other websites and it just so happens that cnn is a substantially larger website than breitbart 
So therefore, CNN results pull higher because more people are going there. It's just oh, a numbers know. thing. They it's never, not... they never uh, Sundar never brought this up, and I don't. I, maybe he didn't want to go down this rabbit hole. But now most of your search results are personalized. Yeah. So if I'm sitting right next to you, Matt, and we search for the same term. We're not going to get the same results. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that was. I don't remember it being brought up during any of these conversations about having a personal. Um, if it was brought up, it was only superficially. It wasn't yeah. in depth. It's, I don't understand why any of these committees don't have any consultants from people that are younger and probably have worked in the tech field in the past. You could tell some of them had prepared their questions and some of them didn't. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it shows a, a lack of um, probably proper preparations, the easiest way to put it, yeah. on the side of the people asking the questions. Right. But it, it seems like there's a larger problem, too, because most of these elected officials are much older and there's a generational gap between te- technological advancements. Mm-hmm. Like They don't understand. <laughs> they just don't yeah. understand what's going on. Yeah. And, like, and the thing, like, the one thing that like this is taking this all the way back, politics aside, is that like this whole style of like acting tough and interrogating the CEOs of these companies and trying to get information. And it's it's basically just a bid to get headlines for news articles and stuff like yeah. it's it's yeah. not like it's more of a stunt than it is an actual thing because when you like yeah. look at the rules that these congressmen are given to ask them questions like you can tell that lobbyists wrote those regulations on like how they can go because whenever you ask a question you get five minutes that's all you get to speak any of those questions you ask have to be within that five minute window and you can't ask follow-up questions so like and then it goes to the next person and then just kind of round robins like yeah. you can't ask the same question twice so there's yeah. no way to like chase things unless another person follows up on it you can't do it which yeah. you would hope they would but i guess it's not seen that way by the people asking yeah. the questions i think uh something to think about here too is you know you're talking about the people asking the questions probably aren't so knowledgeable on the subjects but yeah. in the future when there are different representatives who are absolutely going to be more youthful with you know years to come you have to wonder where they're going to get their information from too if they're going to ask google questions and they're getting their answers from google to begin with mm-hmm. there's yeah. some bias there all i'm saying is bing doesn't do this <laughs> <laughs> well, duck, duck, go. yeah <laughs> duck duck goes a good one for anybody who doesn't want to be tracked use duck duck go that's a good one so um, they say so they say, but yeah, so like when, when you look at like the, this whole thing from like taking a step back, like sure, it's Google's best interest. Like it's in their literal MO to make as much money as possible off of either selling user data or um, getting traffic to sites that are going to make them more money. So as a result, this thing tends to happen more money tends to be in C. Like I was saying earlier, more more money is in CNN than is in Breitbart. So it kind of like it's like putting a, a brick on the same scale as like a dump truck full of bricks. It's the way the world works, though. Yeah, it, I mean, outside of cyber, it works that way. Mm-hmm. But look, like Matt was talking about earlier with the Europeans, and and you can look at uh, Trudeau in Canada. Like they're they're just more educated on these topics. Yeah, 
and they they can actually voice <laughs> more educated opinions. Whereas, like, if if the lobbying is controlling the factors in the United States, they march out grandma and grandpa, and they just go, "We're angry," and then like you don't really give them, they don't really give a good reason why. And then you get Google and Facebook execs up there going, "Shh." <laughs> I don't, I don't like the four of us are just some guys talking about this and we have opinions on it. We have a decent idea of what's going on. I think there's right. plenty of other people in the country. Who feel way. That's it's why just, they have these hearings. Cause they know we're angry, but they, they, they march out grandma and grandpa instead just to make a big show of it. You know, I don't that's, know the, but. <laughs> that's the issue with representation. Me that. and Irvin were more entertained and more captivated by the man in the background. who <laughs> was putting progressively increasing in size mustaches on his face and using a monocle and acting as a rich man, like in the background. Then we were the actual discussion because, like, that's how, like, that's how high level this discussion was. Yeah, but was Google was Google paying that man to be there? That's the question. <laughs> I don't know, but like ninety percent of Sundar Pichai's answers was that. It's not the first time he's done this. No, I'm sure. Yeah, and um, we should put his uh, Twitter handle in our show notes just so anybody who wants to check him out can follow up on him i don't have the the slack open so i don't have his handle um but if anybody wants to shout him out feel free to because that was very entertaining i'll grab it for you hang on a second yeah. um, um it's w-a-m-a-n-d-a-j-d okay wow man dodge did something like that <laughs> so that was a good attempt at a shout out <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so like it's it's one of those types of things where it's like it's just a stunt it's not nothing's actually gonna really come he was wearing like a mr monopoly costume which kind of had background connotation i think yeah 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 the the democrats had some like you could tell like some of them had actually done research because i feel like their constituents are more of the people who like that's one of the things that is uh it's a hot button topic in democratic debates and in the primaries and it's one of the thing it's like guns to the left is mm-hmm. privacy and uh net neutrality more importantly and this kind of all circulates around the bigger picture which is net neutrality um and it's all related in one way or another uh, but it it does show that there's a fundamental misunderstanding of technology and like Ryan was saying you have Canada who and like even the UK and the EU who, when these CEOs go to these countries, like they actually get grilled, like they get laid out and skewered in front of their Congress, like they get follow up questions, they get personal attacks, like they get any kind of it's it's literally like an open field, and um, it's the reason why Mark Zuckerberg still hasn't gone to the UK to have his hearing because he knows that they're gonna butcher him on British television <laughs> in front of Parliament. <laughs> And like the fact that we don't is a little bit, it, it kind of, it, it looks like a show. It's less of an actual, right. like you're not going to get anything out of this. You're just going to, yeah. It's more than concerning. It's <laughs> like, yeah. Let's have Sundar Pichai go talk to the UK parliament. Let's, let's see how that one, let's see how that live stream goes. That might be next. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, because the U S doesn't know, like they don't have committees these people represent in every way there's no onus on the the representative to go and get the research done ahead of time before they go into these meetings unlike in the uk 
and Europe and Canada and some of these other countries. I just don't think they have the background, like in the time when but they, they should like get consultants. Yeah, agreed. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure that you could learn, but yeah. I just don't think that's a priority and it should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. But um, for anybody who is interested in reading up more on this, um, there is a link in our show notes, the final link, um, because The Verge did excellent coverage of this whole thing. And um, they covered the events kind of pretty much as they happened, um, going into the details of the conversation and where it went and some of the big questions that were asked. Um and it's a it's a very good read. I encourage anybody who is interested in these topics to go check this out and uh, check out our show notes, just yeah. because that they. One of the main things that they also talked about. Sorry to jump in, but uh, YouTube's um, a sort of um, way of handling conspiracy theories videos, mm -hmm. right? They they specifically asked about that on how they moderate, you know, content on there and and how you know false quote-unquote false information sort of rises to the top based on people actively looking at it um yeah well it's sort of not a google product technically because it's all under alphabet and sundar pachai isn't the ceo of youtube but it's sort of complicated but yeah no it's like i don't that, that's that's a, a whole another question too because like not many people know how that works either um and it's just like weird, like, I don't even know. It's, it's just like, this article is weird. Um, claiming the conspiracy theories that Hillary Clinton is killing young girls in satanic rituals. Like, like if that's just, this is one example of like some of the conspiracy theories floating around on YouTube. But like, of course, you know, uh, a big news came around that uh, Google and other companies removed Alex Jones from their platform after several um in incidences where he incited violence and then that's sort of their cutoff and he Sundar Pichai mentioned that multiple times um when they talked about hate speech um that he mentioned inciting violence on, on someone else or, or some you know an entity um and that's their sort of threshold at that point yes they will take action uh, against a certain um person uploading certain types of contents uh, to YouTube, for example, um, mm -hmm. well, they'll hit sort of a strike against them or completely take down their channel. Yeah. Um, no, but it be further than that, right? Does it have to go that far? And where... like, I don't know what parts of YouTube these congressmen are watching, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there. And, and he, Gustav Pichai cited, there's... 400 hours of content uploaded to YouTube every minute of every day, mm -hmm. 400 hours. It's impossible to sort of curate or, or, or you know, yeah. look at all of that. Like even there's, um, there's this whole recent thing with PewDiePie, the like number one, uh, most subscribed person on YouTube. He like was giving shout outs recently and he, one of the users that he accidentally shouted out was a anti-Semitic pro-Nazi YouTube channel. <laughs> he was like, oh, I really like this anime review this guy did. But what he didn't know is that another video he published was a video that had four minutes of uninterrupted anti-Semitic speech from Adolf Hitler and comments that were towards that. So like... Yeah, but how, how's he supposed to know that? Yeah, like he doesn't watch everything. He's like, this guy had a cool video. 
<laughs> like, Basically, he needs to get his own moderators. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, no, it's just like even like even people who use the platform and are super familiar with it, like this stuff slips past them. Can yeah. <sighs> I so, feel like they're like while like that's something that should happen during the uploading phase, like the content should be processed in some way. I feel like there's yeah. AI for that, and yeah. it's all edited too. His editor can catch that. They just have well, to actually look at it. Well, I mean, not just PewDiePie like saying it's okay, but like maybe that person's channel or what have you. If if he's uploading a video, he can get flagged as hey, this is anti-Semitic or something yeah. like that. Right. They're already doing some ana- an analysis, so they're doing the content ID, which is good, looking for copyrighted material. That's mm-hmm. already being done. Um, you might have noticed there's closed captioning on certain videos. You can, of course, upload your co- closed captioning yourself if you do it um, and then upload the actual text or let Google sort of a- try to analyze what you're talking about, your voice, and, and convert that to text. Why can't they do that automatic analysis yeah. of the, the and see what sort of? I know it's not perfect that translation from voice to text, but it's getting better and better. Hey man, they they have like, I mean, Google Lens exists, right? So like, if if someone's uploading a video and there's an anti-Semitic picture or something that may be tied to something like that, they can tell what that is when it's being uploaded. So, so yeah. my only thing, right? So before, so if you're going to analyze that you and this AI detects that. How does it determine if it's a history teacher putting up That's the lesson, say. teaching the whatever, right? The, the history World of World War II documentary. Exactly. Or someone posting, then you need to bring in a human. I don't think an AI yet no. can deal be- with that that situation and we've seen that with like the play store and with youtube already where there's more false flags than there are actual problems that happen and it's a major inconvenience to the creator and that may drive creators away from their platform so it kind of behooves them to make it easier to get that stuff on there and then kind of act on it as it becomes a problem because when you have a platform where there's 400 hours of video uploaded every minute it's very hard to moderate all that content. And even if you had a team to dedicate to act on that, you'd need like thousands and thousands of people on that team in order to like do make any kind of a dent in that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, yeah. you could do things like flag videos based on that analysis mm-hmm. of a picture and then analyze text or voice content. But you know, someone could speak nonsense and upload all these terrible images yeah. and, that would be something that you wouldn't want to be published. Maybe I mean, Google's just collecting all of this hate speech and conspiracy theory videos so that way they can train DeepMind to <laughs> to like understand what a hate video is versus a documentary of World War II. Or at some like point, it's, it, it has to be possible. Mm-hmm. It, at some point, with, it, with what technology and artificial intelligence can do, I don't see how... like. Like it, it's proven that a computer can be more powerful and is more powerful than a human brain if utilized correctly. Mm-hmm. So only a matter of months, maybe years until that's time. Happened. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, like you guys touched on already, really, it's YouTube that's responsible. I mean, they're a monopoly. They're a monopoly. Like that's why they have 400 hours of, of uh, video yeah. being uploaded every second. Mm-hmm. YouTube and thus Google. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. YouTube in the, in the, the video sphere of the internet, I mean, what are the competitors? Twitch? Not, not even close. I would opinion. say the closest <laughs> competitor is maybe Vimeo. 
Nope. Uh, no. <laughs> I like Vimeo. I love Vimeo, but yeah. Mm. You can't. I, I think like Instagram videos the closest. Facebook. Thing FaceTime. Facebook videos. But yeah. Me. It's not as easy. It's so not. A, it's not a, a dedicated. Word, yeah, I was just thinking like dedicated video platforms, but yeah. like stuff that's only video. But yeah, so I, I mean, that, like, that's the cost of being a monopoly. You're responsible. That's it. Yeah. Figure Thank it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'd like hey. to see if Twitch is a problem because Twitch is all live, so like that would be even more difficult to track on that platform. So oh, yeah. Well, Facebook Live had people the live deaths that were occurring. Remember, there's like mm-hmm. a guy died on a hang glider. There were murders. There's been all sorts of things already. Yeah. So I don't know. Like it's it's a problem that's very hard to solve, <laughs> and something that I don't think we we're equipped to solve on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I mean, live TV's solution is just to cut feed. So yeah. Like, yeah. there's always a delay. Yeah. Yeah. But when, there's there's enough channels for people to monitor that though. But but yeah, I feel like the internet's bigger than cable. At this oh point. yeah, the internet's just a, a world of surveillance, man. Everything's being recorded yeah. now. There isn't 400 hours of new content coming to my cable box every minute. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it's it's definitely something that I think is going to be um, changing and evolving as we talk about it. And I don't think this is going to be the last time that we bring this up, especially from the like- tech side of it. The gray area is whether, like, what is prevented and what's not, mm-hmm. like, in terms of censorship and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, this is very depressing talk, but <laughs> a piece of positive news. We talked about it, and, and it was almost going to be an article, but um, uh, the Apple Watch ECG feature saved somebody's life already, and it's been out for a day. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. The atrial fib. Mm-hmm. It yeah. found a um, uh, irregular heartbeat in somebody, and they went to the hospital and found out they had like a very early stage of like heart disease or something like that. Oh, the atrial fibrillation. So yeah, the the new update came out for the Apple Watch, um, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, I'll try it," um, and he tried it and immediately came back. They knew this potentially could be uh, AFib. Uh, you should definitely see a doctor. He's like, nah, it can't be. He did the test over and over again. It came back. Yep, you might have AFib. He took it off his hand, put on his wife, did the test. It came back clear. Nothing. And then he's like, okay, did the test multiple times on his wife. Still nothing. Everything's good. He put it on his daughter. Still, everything's good. He put it back on himself, and it came back AFib. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go. Uh, to he he meant to he went to urgent care actually, um, and uh, he went up to urgent care and uh, went up to the front desk and and he said that uh, I got this new Apple Watch and um, they came out with this ECG and oh yeah the lady in the reception is like oh yeah I heard about that uh, and it came back AFib and there's the the whole thing was full and actually they jumped him in front of the line um, because of that he said that. Um, and uh, they took him back and put him onto an actual, like a, a calibrated, you know, an ECG machine with multiple points on his body. And the doctor came in and and he's like, "Yeah, you have uh, AFib." And that thing, he said, uh, that thing probably saved your life. Um, <laughs> At what point is it going to get to like a level where the watch can give you like a pulse to restart your heart or something like that? Like, <laughs> yeah. not far. 
I, I know it's not on your chest, and obviously that's how it's administered at this time. But mm-hmm. but it's not just not like, an implant. <laughs> as yeah. long as it doesn't break the skin. <laughs> this is just yeah, one right. of the benefits of like how wearable tech is and like where it's going. Um, but it's it's like a bit of bit of positive news to to end the episode. You are awake. Let's inject some caffeine into you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah. So unless anybody has anything to talk about with old guys yelling at clouds or um, getting a sure part three is right around the corner. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time we've heard of old guys yelling at clouds. No, yeah, yeah. I think we should, we should commit now to naming the episode that whenever it comes up. Yeah, yeah. this is now part two. <laughs> and maybe start using Roman numerals. I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So. With that, um, I think that just about wraps it up. So, anybody who, what's that? I said, wrap it up. Like Christmas, I'm going to wrap this podcast up. So, (laughs) (laughs) so anybody who is interested in watching us live, who is listening to the podcast, you can check us out on Twitch. Um, We are at Industry 4.0, all spelled out. If you want to check us out under the same username, you can find us at Twitter and Facebook as well with the same username. Um, If you wanted to listen to us and you're watching us on Twitch or you saw us on Twitch this moment and you're like, hey, these guys sound cool. I want to check them out somewhere else now. Uh, You can find us literally anywhere. Um, If you even ask your Google Home or your Amazon Echo, you can be like, hey, listen to the latest episode of Industry 4.0 and it'll do it. but aside from that, like it literally, if you have a podcast app, we're there. So you're fine um, if you want to check us out. But uh, yeah. So with that being said, oh, also, I forgot. If you want to review us, leave a review. First off, I love you. Second off, um, you can do so at bit.ly slash I4O review. Um, it would be fantastic because it helps us know what we're doing right. And more importantly, what we're doing wrong. So Unlike analytics, we can get back to you quickly and change and more improve our podcast. So, um, <laughs> um, little tie back to the episode there. We've now come full circle. But yeah, so with that being said, um, this has been episode 78, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Take it easy. Bye.